0: The reading this week is taken from Acts 13. Um, it's just on your other server sheet. Now there were in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work to which thou have called them. Then after fasting and praying they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit they went down to Seleucia <coughs> and from <coughs> and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis they proclaimed the word of the Lord in the synagogues for the Jews of the Jews. And they they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos they came upon a certain magician of a jewish false prophet named bar-jesus <clears throat> he was with the proconsul sergius paulus a man of intelligence who summoned barnabas and saul and sought to hear the words of god but Elymas the magician who that was the meaning of his name opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith but saul who was also called paul filled with the holy spirit looked intently at him and said you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and of balany, will you stop? Me, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the, land, the, ha- behold the hand of the Lord is upon you, and um, you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the Proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord.
1: Uh, the Bible, we've read from it a few times already this morning. Um, when, we, when, we, when we think of the Bible as God's revelation of himself to to the world, to people, God sort of sharing himself and, and talking about himself, um, we, if that's what the Bible is, then of course we can expect it to sound odd at times, different to what we might Otherwise, think about uh, if we take its claims to be the word of God at face value, then um, it's going to be, isn't it, something that speaks to us from outside and comes to us on the inside. It is God speaking to us, <clears throat> and so uh, the good thing with that is that it challenges our, our, our blind spots, our cultural blind spots. Um, it talks about things that are just unfamiliar or uncomfortable, or things that we may not always want to hear about, but. It's because it's, it's, it's through the Bible we believe it's God speaking to us, God, God's word, and that's what it says about itself. And, uh, and today, in today's text, we, we see this, this kind of thing working out, Some, something that sounds slightly strange or odd to us. Uh, much of, of Western society, modern Western society, uh, of which we are a part, has done away with the supernatural the supernatural uh god it is thought uh, has been thought is, is is for primitive peoples it's for it's for ancient peoples it's for less developed less cultured peoples uh but having gone through uh, the process known as the enlightenment and, and cherishing reason above all things and human reason we, we we've got all the tools that we need to answer the big questions of of, of the world of 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 uh, the universe uh, with, with scientific inquiry and technology to help us, we are fully equipped as people in our modern society to answer the big questions. That's generally what modern Western society will think. And yet here in this text, and we'll, we'll go through this in a little detail in a minute, we see the reality and the power of spiritual darkness, spiritual darkness, and uh, as modern, Western people uh, in a modern Western society, this concept sounds incredibly strange, uh, very odd to our ears that there is such a thing as spiritual darkness or or pers- uh, evil uh, out there. But uh, we are, in, in in that sense, we are something of a minority because if you're from another culture, a non-Western culture, uh, from another country in the world, it is perfectly acceptable and, and uh, you know you know, part of your culture, that of course there's evil, of course there are spirits, of course there is this whole spiritual realm of which we cannot see or taste or touch. And so this particular passage here is one of these passages that for us as Western people does often sound pretty odd and weird. Um, But let's allow it to challenge us, let's open our ears, let's listen to what it's saying, uh, and then uh, make up our own conclusions as we go. So um, as we have been thinking in this book of Acts, we've been going through the book of Acts since the beginning of, of January, um, we've, been, we've been realizing that, that we're seeing the advance of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is moving out and out and out, and it's going further and further afield, like, like, like ripples in a, in a lake, you know, uh, branching outwards. And we're seeing um, that the church is this gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission. We're seeing that every week and so today in this text we'll see number one that the community on mission, that is the church on mission, number one encounters spiritual darkness, that's what it does and number two the community on mission is equipped with spiritual power, so it encounters spiritual darkness and it is equipped with spiritual power and that is the same for us today, we are a community on mission and we shall, if we haven't already, encounter spiritual darkness. Where do we get this from? Well, look. let's look down at the text. Uh, in verse 1 of chapter 13, if you have it in front of you, that's really helpful. Uh, we are back at the church of Antioch, and we, we were in this passage, or the passage before a few weeks ago. Uh, Antioch is this exciting new church that was planted uh, by this amazing team. Remember, God was putting together this awesome team. Antioch is sort of uh, on the, uh, the the Turkish-Syrian border in modern-day geography, um, quite distant from Jerusalem, where all the action was at the beginning of the church. Uh, So this new church was started. It was started by, remember, these fearless evangelists who didn't have any name. You know, the the name isn't recorded. Uh, They went and told the good news. Uh, It was was started by uh, the encourager, this guy called Barnabas, um, the teacher, Saul, who came down. You remember that? And they were teaching and encouraging the church. And this, this group of prophets as well were in the mix. God was assembling, it seems, in that early church, this awesome team. And so we saw a few weeks ago that the church in Antioch was growing; it was thriving. It was sending out money. It was sending out missionaries. You know, it was helping other churches. It was just brilliant. And it was like like our church in some ways. It was only you know uh, a few years old at the very most. And God was enlarging the team and building this awesome team. And so that's the team that we're looking at right now, um, and it's getting bigger. It says that this group of prophets and teachers, along with the whole church, uh, in verse two, were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting. What is fasting? Uh, it's giving up food. Remember, we did this as a church back in February before we moved to this building, and as we were thinking about uh, trying to discern God's uh, future for us as a church, uh, we had a fast for, was it 36 hours, something like that? Uh, many of us gave up food, some of us gave up other things. And the idea with fasting, as we see here and, and as we see in other scriptures, is that you're, we're clearing space, we're denying ourselves something, often food, that's the, that's the main one, um, so that we can clear space for something else. We're not just giving up food for for hunger's sake, but so that we can clear space in our lives to pray, to seek God, to worship him. And so that's exactly what was doing. And it's this concentrated season where we do that. And so we see here the church was fasting and, and, and worshipping as part of their ordinary uh, rhythm of, of worship in, in the community. And they're more open, they're more aware, they're listening out. And it says there, that the Holy Spirit in verse two said to the church or through these prophets or something like that, set apart from me Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. We're not entirely sure. It doesn't say how the Holy Spirit spoke, whether it was an audible voice that they all heard together, whether it was an impression they all had sort of simultaneously or over a period of a few days. We're not entirely sure. But either way, it was clear and they responded and uh, they obeyed and they set uh, Barnabas and Saul apart and they sent them off. And uh, it says in verse 4, the Holy Spirit sent them out again. Off they went. And where did they go? They went to Cyprus. They set sail from the local port in, in, in verse Uh, four and they arrived in Cyprus which is the home uh, island of Barnabas that's where he originally came from so probably he just thought you know what we're getting sent out by the Holy Spirit we don't have any exact instructions let's just go home I know the place I know the people I know the structures let's go there let's start there let's bring the gospel to my hometown so off they went and as every community on mission does as the church does uh, it says there in verse uh, five when they arrived there they proclaimed they, 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 they preached they talked about they shared the word of god the gospel to uh, the jews their fellow jews in the synagogues and it says over a period well, i didn't say exactly how long but they, as they moved on they went through the entire island sharing uh, with their fellow jews and no doubt a few other people as well the good news of jesus how jesus is the messiah the long-awaited messiah who died on a cross who rose from the grave we saw him and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and through him, forgiveness of sins and restoration of relationship with God is available through faith. That was the message that they were preaching. But, as we're going to see here, and as we're thinking right now, the community on mission encountered spiritual darkness. They encounter spiritual darkness in this episode. They encounter, that is, opposition to the gospel going out. So, So what is the scenario? What's happening here? Well, they have this man, this proconsul it's called he's called which is basically the governor of Cyprus he was a Roman um, in authority uh, the Romans were obviously in power at that time the Roman Empire uh, was at its heyday and uh, this this man the proconsul called Sergius Paulus there's a good Latin name uh, there he was the, the the governor or the mayor if you like of Cyprus and it said there that he wanted to hear uh, the message of, of God. In verse 7, he had he, obviously heard something about these two gospel preachers. He wanted to hear for himself what the message was. But, it says, there was, in verse uh, 6, this, this uh, magician. It is a Jewish false prophet. And his name is Bar-Jesus. Bar, Jesus. Uh, Bar in, in Hebrew means son of. And Jesus is a pretty common name in those days. Son of Jesus, son of, Je- son of Yeshua, son of Joshua. That's, that's what the word Jesus is, it's Joshua. Uh, God saves, that's what the, the, the word means. Son of Joshua, so pretty, pretty common name, that's what that means. Uh, also had this name, Elimus, which uh, means magician. Anyway, this chap was a false prophet, and it seems to be that he was part of the, the entourage of uh, the governor of the proconsul. Uh, we don't know exactly what he did there, but somehow or other he had gained access to the hall of power, to the council, if you like. Uh, he was an influential guy. Uh, he was with Sergius Paulus, uh, probably providing some sort of spiritual or, or whatever it is. We, we don't know. But he was there and he was trying to distract and oppose Paul and Barnabas. He was trying to, to, to turn, it says, the proconsul away from the faith. So right here we see that the community on mission encounters spiritual darkness Not everybody is glad to hear and wants to hear the good news of Jesus being preached and and, and having its its impact. Let's get a few more details in place before we can make some conclusions. Uh, This false prophet uh, he is called there in verse 6 is also a magician. Um, We we presume therefore that he, he possessed some spiritual powers himself, some genuine spiritual powers and that he had or he claimed to have some sort of divine connection. You know, with God. He was a a prophet, uh, but a false prophet, uh, according to the writer of Acts, a guy called Luke. He was a false prophet, and yet he had some powers and we don't, we don't know, maybe Sergius Paulus, the, the, the governor, um, thought that this individual uh, was pr- handy to have around. He had some sort of influence with the gods. So let's bring him on board. Let's listen to what he says, you know, just so that we can maintain our control and our leadership of this, this province. We don't know how he got there. But uh, suffice to say, he, he would have been an influential individual, uh, this false prophet, this magician. He would have impressed other people, impressed leaders, he, using his magic to show that he had power, um, and he got into this position of authority and responsibility, I guess, uh, within that, that place of Cyprus. And the, the false prophet, this magician called Elimus, didn't want to lose that. He didn't want to lose his notoriety, his fame, his power, whatever. And so therefore he opposed the gospel. He tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He thought, if this man turns to Christ and becomes a Christian, my influence, my authority in this, in this little government here is gone. So he tried his best to turn him away from the faith. Uh, for those of you who, who are maybe a bit familiar with, with some of the Bible, you'll know that this has happened before. This kind of thing has happened before. I remember in the, in the Old Testament, uh, the old story of Moses being told by God, you know, I want you to go to Pharaoh in Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. I want you to go and bring a message to Pharaoh. And uh, so off he went, Moses went to Pharaoh. Moses said, hey God, God's got a message for you. Let my people go. And Moses was equipped to do some, some magic, you know, some, some, um, some signs. He was able to, for example, throw his staff on the ground and turn it into a snake. But do you remember what happened? When this was going on, Pharaoh brought in some other magicians from Egypt who could also replicate the same things. They could use their magic as well, and, and they had some spiritual power to replicate uh, the, the, the signs that Moses himself was doing. And so they were able, those magicians were able to cause confusion. They were able to resist the message of God that Moses was trying to bring. And so we see the same sort of thing here as well. Even further back than Moses, we go right back to the Garden of Eden. Do you remember how Satan appeared? He appeared as a snake, didn't he? And he tried to um, confuse uh, the message of God given to Eve. He tried to make her resistant to the gospel message. Did God really say, you know, you can't eat of any tree in the garden? See, it seems to be that whether it's in Eden or Egypt or in Cyprus, whenever the community on mission go out with the message of God, they will encounter spiritual darkness. And it's important that we understand this as a church. It really is. Because as I was sort of hinting at at the start, our society, many in our society, not all, but many in our society, intellectually at the very least, reject the spiritual. Not, not just religion, although every, you know, a lot of people are rejecting religion, but the spiritual realm in general. Uh, you know, basically, they, they will say or, or, or behave, there is nothing out there other than what we can sense through our own senses, through touch and taste and, 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 and through scientific observation. There's nothing beyond that. There's no spiritual realm outside of that. We've done away with all of that. Uh, now we are modern people. Um, like I say, that's not everybody in our society, but uh, our society is dominated by that that thought still but as a church in the modern western society it is foolish for us to think like that it's foolish for us to follow suit if we functionally uh, reject this idea of the supernatural uh, uh, reality of evil the existence of spiritual darkness and oppression and all that stuff then we miss a major chunk of what the bible is trying to teach us not just here but in many other places as well we miss also a major implication of the gospel that we know and love, that we, that we want to make much of Jesus about. I'll, I'll explain a little bit about that uh, in a few minutes' time. Uh, I was at work a few weeks ago. I worked as a doctor. I was in the hospital. I was in the ward. I'm um, just doing some admin work, or whatever, uh, on the desk. And uh, there was a gathering of, of staff just sort of, you know, crossing paths or whatever. Uh, some were sort of domestic staff, you know, coming. Uh, one, one was the, um, uh, the, the ward clerkess, you know, it does all the admin on the ward. Uh, by the way, she's the, just a little story to encourage you, she's the one who I invited to come to Watoto a few weeks ago. She came, not only with her, her on her own, but she brought her daughter and her granddaughter, who um, absolutely loved the whole thing, by the way. But anyway, so they were chatting away, this little group um, of people, and it turns out that one of them, I forget who it was now, one of them had been to a, uh, to, to, to see a medium recently, I, I, to a seance, you know, uh, where you go along and you see a, a person who is sort of spiritual, has spiritual powers, and is able to somehow or other connect with, uh, the dead, people who have died, and so um, they were sharing these stories, and someone had been and, you know, talking to a dead relative or something like that, and you know sometimes you drive around town and you see these these posters up don 't you of these of these um, sort of events that held in uh, hotels or what have you um, and anyway, that was you know, fine that you, sometimes you hear about that kind of thing, but then it turns out that another one had been to one recently, and then another one and, and then there 's all these stories coming out, and there 's probably about four or five staff, and they all had had. Uh, contact with either fortune tellers or visited mediums or have gone to seances and it, it just seemed to be a bigger thing and i was sat there and i was so surprised because um you know i guess as a, someone who's sort of in a you know uh, um a fairly modern um you know, rational type of background scientists and all that uh you know you can tend to think that's that spiritual stuff it's all it's all a bunch of rubbish it's it's, it's nonsense you know it's just fairy tales but not only uh, are a lot of people sort of tuned into um, that the, you know, the, the, the spiritual, what we could say, darkness um, of our own society, but um, it's, it's, it's wrong of us uh, as a church to, to just say, that's rubbish, you know, it's, 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 it makes no difference at all, um, you're just being stupid. Because there is definitely a power there, there is definitely a dark power at work. There are definitely people who do have a spiritual power and, and we would be foolish if we were to reject that. And reject all those those um, those claims even if there's a a lot of uh, suggestion and manipulation and crowd control that's going on as well in these events we're foolish if we reject these things and we see that here in the community on mission we will encounter spiritual darkness and so what does that mean for us uh, as a church what does that mean for you going out into the world of work and in your families that means that we are going to meet people in in life whether it's our colleagues Uh, whether it's our neighbours, maybe it's even through our sort of evangelistic outreach and all that stuff, we will meet people who are in the grip of spiritual darkness, who are influenced. Most often it's passively, you know, people who are unaware or sort of slip into uh, an influence of of spiritual darkness. Sometimes they actively embrace it, you know, embracing things like witchcraft and new age practices and occult behaviour. But either way, as we see here, Uh, in this story in Acts 13, uh, spiritual darkness always leads people to blindness, to resistance of God and the gospel. And it's real. And we we can't deny that. We can't dismiss that. We can't pretend it doesn't happen because it does. Sometimes people who are, um, let's say, uh, entrapped by physical, by, by spiritual darkness, um, you know, may, may exert sort of f- physical manifestations. Again, another, another thing I see very often in the, in the healthcare system is people who, who come uh, looking for physical fixes to non physical problems. I'm not saying they're all under the power of spiritual darkness, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there is probably more at play than we realize. And that in medicine, we are powerless to fix, powerless to to, to, to um, address so sometimes people who are um, impacted or influenced by spiritual darkness may have physical manifestations various illnesses or or physical complications in their bodies uh, It sometimes has emotional or it always has emotional psychological effects you know I'm just being very very generalist because um, uh, you know it's just hard to, to, to pin it down sometimes um, but the point is this the point I'm trying to get at is this we must be aware as a community on mission that reads the Bible and takes it seriously, we must be aware that we will encounter spiritual darkness as we move out, as we move out with the gospel. And so we have to think about that and we have to be ready for that. Uh, What I'm not saying, by the way, is that we must look for the devil everywhere we go. But also we shouldn't go in the other direction and foolishly ignore the impact of spiritual darkness in our community two impacts two ways that this will impact us practically and then we'll move on first of all it will impact us what we would describe as pastorally that means when we pray for people uh, when we minister to them when we are when involved in counseling for example um, either people or communities or even cities when we pray uh, for healing or for salvation or for help or, or for for whatever it is um, we must include prayers uh, against the impact of spiritual darkness and oppression. We must include those prayers. Something like this. Uh, if we're praying for a person, either with them personally or, or in a, you know, uh, later on, when we, when we know there's a problem, we may pray something like this. Lord, uh, we pray for this this person here and, and whatever their issue is. And we also ask that if there's any, any darkness manipulating or impacting their situation, we pray that you would overcome that. We pray that you would send it away. We pray that you would rid this person of the effects of darkness and the grip of the evil one. So it impacts us pastorally. We add that part to our prayers and to our ministry. Uh, The other thing is it impacts us evangelistically. You know, because we acknowledge the existence of evil and the way that it manifests in our own society. Um, we have to include that when we are presenting the gospel, when we're talking about the gospel, when we're sharing the gospel. We have to show that through Jesus and through all that he has achieved on the cross, he is victorious and he is over every power, over every form of evil that there is. Um, The apostle John wrote in 1 John 3, 8, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. One of the reasons that Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil. So we have to include that part when we are um, talking about the good news of of God, okay? All right, so as a community on mission, number one, we will encounter spiritual darkness and that will affect us and impact us pastorally in what we do and evangelistically in what we say. Um, So let's come to the second part then. As a community on mission, number two, um, we will also be equipped with spiritual power encounter spiritual darkness and equipped with spiritual power. That's why we say we're a gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community on mission. We get that from the book of Acts. We're not making this up or just hoping it's true. That's what we are. That's what we are uh, working towards. That's what we're praying for more of. That is good news, folks. When we think of the reality of evil and the reality of darkness and, and spiritual strongholds that hold people away from the gospel, we know, uh, and John says this again in, in 1 John 4.4, 4, uh, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That means that the Holy Spirit that we've just been singing about and praying to and through, um, he is in us, he is with us, and he is greater than he that is in the world. That is the evil one. That is Satan and all of his uh, works. He who is in you is greater than He. That's why we are spirit-empowered people. That's why we're asking for more of the spirit. And as a community mission, we are equipped with spiritual power. So what is this spiritual power and where does it come from? First of all, what is it? Uh, Again, we see in this text here, um, and this is where we get the fact that we're a spirit empowered people of God. Uh, God, as as you can see, the Spirit was building this great team, this great church in, in Antioch. They were worshiping, they were praying, they were fasting, they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit who spoke to them. And He sent them out, but He sent them right into this situation that we're just reading about. Barnabas and Saul, these two gifted individuals, were sent into this darkness, and it wasn't by accident. The Holy Spirit sent them into this place so they could bring the light of the good news of the gospel. This proconsul, this man called Sergius Paulus, the the governor, he was hungry for the gospel, and yet this magician, Elimus, was opposing the gospel. And what does the Holy Spirit do? In verse 9, it says that Paul, or Saul, who was also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at this magician, and what can only be described as a takedown he called out this magician in, in front of everybody and, and, and called it like, like it is. You know, sometimes you see on TV, um, you know, the wrestler will get into the ring um, and before the opponent comes comes in, he'll grab the microphone and he'll start trying to slam the other guy, you know, and, and uh, say all these terrible things. Well, this in some ways, this is kind of what Paul is doing here, except uh, this isn't for show or TV. This is Paul filled with the Holy Spirit and that enables him to see the reality of what exactly is going on. He gets this clarity about Elimus and what Elimas is doing and his real spiritual uh, motivations. And he calls him out in the view of everybody else. And he names Elimus for what he is. He says in verse 10, I mean, this is just awesome. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? He's saying, you're the son of the devil. You're the son of the snake. You're, you're, you're being a snake. You enemy of all that is good, all that is right, all that is just, all that is beautiful. You're a liar. The, the message translation of the Bible uh, class says this. You, you are, Elimus, you are staying up all night trying to invent schemes to cheat people out of God. You are as crooked as a corkscrew. You are twisting, he goes on to say, and manipulating the message of God to drag people Back to darkness. And as I said earlier, we saw that in Eden with the snake. We saw it in Egypt with the snakes. And we see it right now, you son of a snake in Cyprus. And so when the spirit-empowered person has insight in verse 11... Paul is able to declare God's temporary judgment upon this man, Elimus. He says, you're going to be blind for a time. You're going to be unable to see. Mist and darkness, it says, fell upon him, and he was seeking people to lead him around. It was as if God, the Holy Spirit, was saying to Elimas the magician, you have been making people blind. You have been keeping them locked in darkness. Now you are going to be blind. Now you are going to be locked in darkness. You've been leading people astray. Now people are leading you. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Can you see in this situation who is greater? It is the Holy Spirit. It is God the Holy Spirit. Can you see who is over all, all powers, all authorities? It is God the Holy Spirit. And it says there at the end of verse 12, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, he saw all this happening. He saw this man go blind for a a time. He saw and believed. He realised that the God of Barnabas, the God of... Paul, this man, Jesus Christ, has greater power, he has greater authority than all the powers of darkness and so he believed in their message. You see, the Holy Spirit here and and, and so many other places, we see he delights to push back the darkness to bring the light of Jesus. He delights to overcome evil, he delights to show the rule and the reign of Jesus is higher and greater and more marvellous than any other power. That's what we see time and again. What is the spiritual power? It is the Holy Spirit working in and through the church. Where does it come from? Where does this power come from? Where does the Spirit come from? Yes, the Holy Spirit uh, himself. Uh, But do you remember who pours out the Holy Spirit? Do you remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? Jesus Christ, isn't it? Jesus Christ ascends to the right hand of God the Father and pours out the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus who is present spiritually among his people. Do you remember uh, this you know, the so-called passage called the Great Commission? You hear Christians talk about it uh, quite, quite often. At The end of the, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, before he goes up to heaven, uh, gathers his disciples and he says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. You know, dot dot dot. And we focus quite often, don't we, on the go and make disciples. It's that big evangelistic call, you know, the mission of Jesus: go and make disciples. But we forget the bit he says sometimes earlier, the first bit. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. It's with that in mind that God, Jesus, sends us out on mission. The one with authority says, go. We see this in in, in almost in story form in Luke chapter 10. um, During Jesus' ministry. It says that Jesus, uh, when he was going around preaching and, and went to visit various towns in, in Palestine, and um, in this particular occasion, he would send out 72 disciples, not the 12, 72, you know, a wider group, to all the towns that Jesus was planning to go to to sort of prepare the way, you know, to say, look, this, this, this man's coming, the good news is coming. And so Jesus sent them out. And he gave them authority to heal and authority to preach about the kingdom of God. And it says that, you know, sometime later, the 72 then returned with joy. Luke 10, verse 17. And they were so full of joy because they were saying, Lord, Jesus, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And he says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents, snakes, and scorpions, And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Yet don't rejoice in this, but rejoice in the fact your names are written in heaven. He sends out his disciples on his mission to preach the kingdom of God. He gives them authority over snakes. (laughs) And he's not just talking about the, the reptiles, he's talking about the devil, the evil one, spiritual powers. I'm giving you authority over that, over demons. Over sickness, I'm giving you authority in my name because I've got authority. That's great and everything. That's awesome. But don't forget, there is something more important. There is something more important than even that. Your names are written in heaven. When you go out with my authority, I've got you. You're secure. You're in my hand. You're in my heart. You belong to the kingdom of heaven, the realm of light, the realm of victory, the place of security. Doesn't matter what happens to you, I've got you. All authority comes from me. Jesus earned it for us, we see, through the cross. Yes, it was his to start with, but it was given to us, granted to us through what he did on the cross. The Apostle Paul writes that on the cross, Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, disarmed the demonic rulers and authorities. He put them to shame and he triumphed over them. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. That's why we say that through the cross and the resurrection, we say it very often here at Foundation Church, Jesus overcame sin, freedom, yes, awesome. He overcame death. We have life, but he overcame the devil. We have light in place of darkness. Jesus defeated all three. We're very familiar with sin in Western churches, great. We're very familiar with the death thing in Western churches. That's also great, not awesome. Not so familiar with the fact that Jesus overcame the devil, killed and dead, and He has given us that authority to continue His work given to us as the church. So let's tie things together and come to close here. As a community on mission, someone who is sent out or a group that is sent out by Jesus to go and make disciples, we will encounter spiritual darkness. We see that here. We see it so many other places. That's what we will encounter. Are you ready? But as a community on mission. We are equipped with spiritual power. And that gives us three things and then we'll see three things. And with with this we're done. It gives us three things. When we get that, when we understand that we're not only encounter spiritual darkness but equipped with that spiritual power, number one, it gives us confidence. No fear anymore because Jesus has the victory. He has the victory over all powers, human and spiritual. And that belongs to us too. It gives us confidence. Number two, it gives us awareness. As we were saying earlier, it means in our prayers and in our ministry, we have insight, we have awareness of what's going on spiritually speaking and therefore we have power. We can pray against that darkness. Push it away, Lord. Number three, it gives us hope. It gives us hope because we are embarking on a successful mission. The mission will be successful because Jesus has all authority. We are on the winning team. That gives us such freedom and such hope. Confidence, awareness, hope. Gives us three things, but we see three things as well. Number one, we will see, because of this, we will see strongholds coming down because we have all authority. The powers of darkness will lose their grip on people, on families, on communities, on societies. People will be released from darkness to light because of what we're reading here. Number two, we will see faith being generated in us and in other people because when we see what Christ can do in our own day, when we see the power of our own prayers and the work of the Holy Spirit, that just generates more faith within us. More awareness of what Christ can do and wants to do, generates faith. And number three, we see advancing of the gospel in our city. This is what we will see when we realize that we're a community on mission, encountering spiritual darkness, but equipped with spiritual power.